More and more in the world, we're coming to a deeper understanding of how important words are. And unfortunately, how easily the meaning of those words can change. I remember seeing that years ago, watching Back to the Future, where the the main character, Marty, travels in time to the 50s from the 80s. And every time he says, that's heavy, he's asked, is there some sort of problem with gravity in the future? More and more, I've seen that with text messaging, and I'm sure many of you have too. It's incredibly easy for the autocorrect on my phone to change one letter in a word and completely change the meaning of what I've written, sometimes with very hilarious but unfortunate results. Even if Siri doesn't change any of the words though, there have been numerous times I've texted friends and they've interpreted the text to mean something different than what I intended. We can see that very clearly with today's passage from the Gospel according to Matthew. You just heard the parable. A man goes away, entrusts his talents to his servants, comes back, and all have given back more than they were given, except one, a wicked servant who buried the talent he was given in the ground, and returned it with nothing else. As a result, the wicked servant is cast into outer darkness. Not a good way to go. Now, the word that gets so mixed up in this passage is talent. A talent is a unit of measurement that had been used for thousands of years before Jesus. A talent was worth 6,000 denarii. And each of those denariuses was worth a day's wage. So a single talent comes out to about 16 years of hard labor. And instead of trying to compute that in today's money, just think that a servant in Jesus' day might live into their 40s. A talent at 16 years of, of wages isn't just a huge amount of money, it's a huge amount of someone's life. It's the majority of their life. It wasn't used much after Jesus' time as a unit of measurement, and so eventually it came to be associated with this parable. In England in the 1300s, because of this parable, talent became a word to signify someone's natural skills or abilities. Now, of course, there's nothing wrong with using the word talent in that way. But the problem comes when we take our modern understanding of the word and try to cram it into this parable. If we do that, when we read this passage, what we hear is that we have certain skills or abilities that come from God and that we as Christians need to use those talents in ways God wants. Taken to its logical conclusion, you'll end up with people thinking the only thing they need to give God is their talent. If someone's a gifted singer, well, I should share that singing with people around me. That's it. If someone's a natural dancer, well, they just need to share their skill at dancing with others. To be honest, we owe God more than that. That interpretation would also lead people to an understanding that they can do a lot on their own. They're self-sufficient. But 
They've got a few, um, in that view, they've got a few small things that God's given them, and those only are the things they need to offer God. That's the kind of mindset that says, God helps those who help themselves, or I can do things without God. Eventually, it sees salvation and heaven as something to be earned. That interpretation leads to a view that makes us more reliant on ourselves and actually distances us from God. That's the exact opposite of what this parable teaches. A more correct understanding of that would be that rather than just being given a few skills or abilities from God, all that we are and all that we have comes from God. Not just an occasional skill, but our minds, our bodies, the, the money we have, even the fact of our existence, period, are gifts that we've been given from God. It's not that God's given us skills and walked away to let us use them however we want. It's that we can't do anything apart from God. We may act in ways God doesn't want us to. We may stray from him, but he's still there. He's still there gifting us and hoping and working for us to come back to him. If you look at this parable in that deeper sense, we need to acknowledge that the important thing isn't just acquiring talents or things in general, becoming more skilled or acquiring money or property. Those things are only important to the extent that we can use them to spread the kingdom of God. We may not all get the same gifts from God. We may not get the, the same return on those gifts to offer God. But the important thing is in faith using the gifts that we've been given for him. Rather than just using our skills for God, this interpretation would mean that we need to use our money for God by tithing and donating to ministries. This would mean we need to spend our time in service to God. This would mean we should also use our minds, our relationships, everything to help spread the kingdom of God. Now, all that being said, that's true, but I think the word talent in this parable is focusing in on one part of everything that we've been given by God. What drives the way we use all those other things that we've been given. And that's mercy. By mercy, I mean the love, the compassion, the forgiveness we have from God. As I mentioned earlier, the, the servants are getting these talents that are amounts of money they could never hope to earn on their own. The servant getting five talents is essentially getting 80 years worth of daily wages. That's a sum no servant can earn or dream of earning. It has to be given. It's the same thing with the mercy that each of us have from God. We don't earn it. We can never even come close. It can only be received as a gift. But this isn't a priceless gift. This is a gift of enormous value. That's something that we forget far too often. We have mercy from God, but we don't look at how important it is, how valuable it is. 
We didn't earn it, and so it's easy to forget who did earn it and what it took to earn it. So many today treat that talent, the mercy that they've been given, in that sense that it's worth little or even worthless. But the error that this parable hits on is being worried and defensive of that talent. With everything going on in the world, it's easy for us as a church to feel like we're on the defensive, like the world is against us. We've seen that kind of bunker mentality from Christians of all kinds of denominations recently. And it's it's easy to take not only the mercy of God, but everything we've been given by him and bury it to keep it safe. But that's not a biblical way to view the world. As servants, our master doesn't want us to hide what we're doing. He doesn't want us to see the people who oppose the church as our enemies and to to fight against them. He wants us to continue to reach out to the world in mercy and love. The, The kind of love that he showed us when we struggled and fought against him. We don't need to worry about protecting God or keeping him safe. What we need to do is take the mercy we've been given and pour that out into the world in our lives. As Christians, we have comfort knowing that God will protect his church and that that's something we can't do on our own. It's our duty instead to help in the spreading of the kingdom in taking the mercy we've been given and showing that mercy to the world at large. When you look at your life, don't look at it as all about you and what you can do. The, the, maybe the few talents and skills that God's thrown your way. Look at everything in your life, even that life itself, as a gift from God. We are nothing, quite literally no thing by ourselves apart from God. But when you think of the greatest gift that you've been given by God, it's not a natural aptitude for something. It's not that random blessing that we've seen in our lives. The greatest gift we've received from God is his mercy, compassion, and love. Our greatest gift is that reconciliation or forgiveness we have through him and the restored relationship with him that that brings. That mercy is something we could never hope to earn by ourselves. That gift of mercy should exemplify how we use all the other gifts we've been given. We can't ignore the mercy we've received. We can't forget it. But at the same time, we can't get worried about it and hide it or protect it, keeping it to ourselves. We don't need to, and that's not what God wants from us. Instead, we are called to invest it, in a sense. Rather than looking at the word talent in the parable and asking what your talents are, look instead at the word mercy and ask how you can show God's mercy. Don't just be nice to people or friendly. Imitate God in the love he has for you. Forgive others when you don't want to. Show mercy to those who wrong you. 
Show love towards your neighbor, even strangers. Most of all, tell others about the mercy you've received from God, the the greatest gift that we can receive, and show them that God wants to involve them in that plan as well, that God wants to pour out his mercy upon them. Mercy isn't just something we receive from God. It's something each of us as Christians needs to show to the world around us. Amen.